has reached epidemic proportions in America. I'm Dr. Paul Christo. This is Aches and Gains. Dr. Paul Christo is one of America's leading experts on relieving pain. He's board-certified, Harvard-trained, and a pain medicine specialist at Johns Hopkins. U.S. News & World Report ranks him as a top doctor and among the top 1% in the nation for pain management. Becker's Review selected him as one of the 70 best pain management physicians in America. He's listed as a super doctor for the Washington, D.C., Baltimore, Northern Virginia area. Aches and Gains is a weekly talk show covering all aspects of pain and pain relief. The human impact is real. Older adults, children, and even infants struggle to cope with pain. But there's hope, and there are treatments that can ease pain and suffering. The show offers compelling stories about people who've found relief. We share cutting-edge treatments from contributing experts, and we offer ways to help people cope with their pain. Welcome to the show. You're feeling some indigestion after a meal, and then a little chest heaviness. You've even had some painful flu-like symptoms during the week. It's probably nothing. Or is it? If you're a woman, you could be having a heart attack and not even realize it. In fact, one in four women will die of heart disease. The chest wall is a common site of pain from rib fractures, bronchitis, and peptic ulcer disease, for example. So how do we distinguish the pain of a heart attack from other conditions? Our guest today will lead us through the maze and provide some concrete guidance on identifying risks, symptoms, and strategies for a healthy heart. Eliz Green had a heart attack and cardiac arrest at 35 years old while seven months pregnant with twins. She not only survived, but is thriving as a mother and keynote speaker for women and heart health. During the show, Dr. Noelle Peterson, Director of Women's Cardiovascular Services at East Carolina Heart Institute, joins us. She'll talk about how we can differentiate the pain of heart disease from other conditions, identify risk factors, for chronic chest wall pain and share the latest in diagnosing, treating, and preventing heart disease. Aches and Gains is supported by Medtronic, Purdue Pharma, Teva Pharmaceuticals, Millennium Laboratories, My Life Patient Program, and DC2 Healthcare, and The Pain Community. For live online listening to Aches and Gains, please go to paulchristomd.com. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. Eliz was just 35 years old and seven months pregnant with twins when suddenly her heart stopped. Let's hear her unbelievable story. Eliz, welcome to Aches and Gains. Thanks for having me on. It sounds like you were in the hospital on bed rest, seven months pregnant with twins when you felt something strange. What happened? I had been in the hospital for a month because I kept going into preterm labor, which meant that I laid down all of the time, mostly on my left side. Mm -hmm. And the only time I got to be upright was if everything was going well and I wasn't contracting, I got to have a shower. <laughs> and... It was a, I know, it, that was the highlight of my day. <laughs> right. And I started to feel a burning sensation in my chest. And that wasn't that unusual. As I said, I, I was laying down. I ate laying down. I had heartburn all of the time. Yeah. Um, so I finished my shower, and I got out, and I rang for the nurse and asked for an antacid, which was fairly common. Went back into the bathroom to comb my hair. And by the time I got my hair combed out, that pain had become really, really intense. Mm -hmm. And um, I started to shake, and my uh, it was a little hard to catch my breath, and I started to throw up, which was 
really the key to me that there was something really wrong because it wasn't an upset stomach feeling. It was just this very intense, all of a sudden throwing up mm-hmm. uh, sensation. And as I said, that was a, uh, for some reason, that was the key for me. I knew that there was something really, really wrong. Yeah. So I went back to the bed, rang for the nurse, um, and that's when things started happening in my room. Mm-hmm. And what did they think? At first, they thought I had gone into full labor. That was quickly determined not to be the case. Uh, Eliz, let me backtrack for a minute. Where specifically did you feel that, that heartburn-like pain? It was about midway down my sternum. Okay. Well, and it sounds like the medical team was mobilized. I mean, was there a cardiologist even available? There was a cardiologist who uh, had a cancellation in the cath lab, so his entire team was in the hospital, lucky me. Mm -hmm. He was on the way to my room when I coded. My heart wasn't beating. I wasn't breathing on my own. Um, I was in full cardiac arrest. Well, I mean, that must have been terrifying. Yeah, not a good thing. And Eliz, do you remember anything about that event? I remember talking to people as they were doing different tests and things like that. And mm-hmm. I turned to the nurse that was sitting beside me on the bed and said, Nancy, there's something wrong. And then boom, I was gone. Wow. I mean, what did the team do next? They were able to convert my heart rhythm back into a normal rhythm with a defibrillator, just like on TV with the little, and I woke up and I remember waking up. What a story. What actually was found to be the cause though of the cardiac arrest? Technically, uh, I had something called a spontaneous dissection. The cardiac artery in my left anterior descending cardiac artery, the one that delivers uh, blood to the heart, um, dissected, which meant that the inside lining of the cardiac artery sort of peeled away from the outside lining. It fell across the opening of the artery and stopped the flow of blood, and that's what caused the cardiac arrest or the heart attack. Mm -hmm. And uh, the left anterior descending artery is a branch of the left coronary artery, and and this artery provides blood supply to a lot of the left ventricle as well as the conduction system of the heart. Eliz, what puts you at risk for this spontaneous dissection? It's rare, but not unheard of, for pregnant women or women who have recently given birth to have this happen. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, most of the women it happens to don't survive because it happened really quickly. Yeah. There were 11 minutes between the first time I rang for the nurse for an antacid to the time that I coded was 11 minutes. Yeah, I mean, that's incredibly quick. Let me ask you about the, the chest pain and the discomfort that you had prior to the arrest. Uh, other patients will say that they have pain, you know, maybe in the abdomen, in the shoulder. Sometimes it radiates to the left or right arm or even the jaw. What else did you experience? What other characteristics of that discomfort did you experience? It felt like my whole chest was being squeezed uh, as if I had a bra that was two sizes too small on. And it's really hard to describe the, the squeezing the pressure, and that pressure spread through my whole chest, up my neck, in my shoulders. It it was very, very uncomfortable and very odd, unlike anything I have ever experienced. Now, what you describe can be more typical signs and symptoms of heart disease, but what have you learned about signs and symptoms of heart disease that are more specific for women? Not all women are lucky enough to have those kind of intense signs of a heart attack. 
Sometimes they're very, very subtle, and it may just be that heartburn feeling or weird pain in the neck or the jaw or the shoulder or the back. The biggest thing to really pay attention to is that it's not normal. That should be a signal (laughs) to pay attention. Mm -hmm. I'm glad you pointed that out. Did you think at that time that something might be happening to your twins? It was concerning, and I really didn't know what was happening. Mm -hmm. When I was down, they were monitoring the babies and trying to make a decision about, you know, how long do they work on me before they deliver the the babies. Sure. Did you at that time have a feeling, like other patients do who have pain of cardiac origin, of impending death? Like, Like, this is it. Absolutely. That's scary when you know that there's something really wrong. Mm hmm. Extremely. After you were defibrillated and regained consciousness, what happened next? They took me to the ICU to be stabilized, and from there I went to the cath lab and had a cardiac catheterization where they sent the catheter up my groin, up into my heart, and, and took a look. And I was intubated, so I had a tube down my throat to help me breathe because mm-hmm. I had coded, so they're being cautious about my treatment. Right. So I couldn't talk, but I was awake. They discovered that... I had this dissection. Unfortunately, it dissected down a branch, which they couldn't fix at that time in the cath lab. Okay, and that time was uh, November of 2000, but there was a lot more ahead for you. Because the, the babies were 32 and a half weeks, they decided that it was best to deliver them. So they delivered the babies, um, my beautiful baby girls, uh, in the cardiac operating suite. Mm-hmm. Uh, And within seven minutes of her making the first decision to deliver the babies, my open heart surgery started. Wow, incredible. Yeah. Eliz, did you have any pain from the defibrillations or the shocks to your chest or or the CPR? Um, Afterwards, yeah, from the... From the CPR, so I had ten minutes of CPR. Mm-hmm. A lot of pain. Yeah, my entire rib cage just hurt. I also had my sternum opened, so sure. all of that, the the whole chest region. <laughs> now I can imagine. Now uh, take us to the operating room where they're performing the cardiac bypass surgery. Right, so they harvested a vein from my left leg, mm-hmm. opened my my chest, mm-hmm. and harvested also a vein from my breast, the mammary artery, and right. then proceeded to repair my heart. Now, I was lucky in that my cardiac surgeon was a pioneer of the beating heart bypass, so I did not go on the heart-lung machine, which aided in my speedy recovery, but also they were fairly convinced that had I gone on the heart-lung machine and they had to thin the blood enough to go through it, Mm -hmm. I would have bled out from the cesarean. This was a good thing that they had this other alternative. Absolutely. I mean, that's a miraculous story. You're lucky to be alive. Absolutely. I have no doubt. The internal mammary artery that's dissected from the chest wall can be a possible source of continual uh, post-cardiac surgical pain in some patients. It doesn't sound like it was in you, though. Uh, Eliz, talk to us more about this beating heart bypass technology. Instead of basically disconnecting the heart Uh and putting the the blood through the heart lung machine to keep the body going. Yeah. The surgeon uses this very cool tool to stabilize very small parts of the heart at the time. Mm-hmm. So the heart keeps beating the entire time, which is amazing. I got to see a webcast of somebody else's being bypassed, but it was fascinating to watch. Uh, he was quite ill, and as they repaired the heart, you could see the heart pink up and beat better as the surgery went on. It was really very cool. It is. I mean, it's remarkable. Join us for part two, 
when we find out whether Eliz developed any chronic chest wall pain, how her extraordinary experience changed her perspective on life, and how women can maintain a healthy heart. Eliz, it was great having you here today. It was my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Stay with us. When we come back from the break, we'll talk to Dr. Noelle Peterson, Director of Women's Cardiovascular Services at East Carolina Heart Institute. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by Medtronic, a global leader in medical technology, alleviating pain, restoring health, and extending life for millions of people around the world. Visit TameThePain.com to learn about treatment options for chronic pain. Teva, the leading global pharmaceutical company committed to increasing access to high-quality health care by developing, producing, and marketing affordable generic medicines, as well as innovative and specialty pharmaceuticals. Millennium Health is a leading health solutions company that delivers accurate, timely, clinical, actionable information to inform the right treatment decisions for each patient at the right time. Millennium offers a comprehensive suite of services to better tailor patient care. More information is available at www.millenniumhealth.com. My Life Patient Program and DC2 Healthcare, connecting patients to top physicians in the United States, reaching the highest standard of patient care through research patient programs and gains in overall health. For more information, please visit mylifepatientproject.com and dc2healthcare.com. Dr. Noelle Peterson is a cardiologist. She directs women's cardiovascular services at East Carolina Heart Institute and also sees patients in private practice. Dr. Peterson, welcome to Aches and Gains. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Let's talk for a moment about the quite staggering statistic that one in four women will die of heart disease. Why is that? Well, heart disease has traditionally been thought of as the leading cause of death in men, but actually the prevalence of heart disease in men and women is equal. And you're right, it's one in every four women will be affected by heart disease, mm-hmm. which equivalents to about one woman dying every minute. Well, that's high. Now, is that associated with hormonal differences or genetic differences? There is definitely a link with hormones, um, especially after women go through menopause. There seems to be a higher incidence of heart disease. Mm-hmm. And, Noelle, what, what does heart disease mean specifically? Uh, I guess heart disease kind of is the big term for all of the different things like ischemia and rhythm disturbances Mm -hmm. in the context of the risk factors. Heart disease applies more towards having ischemia or a heart attack. And by the way, ischemia is a decrease in blood flow to the tissues of the heart that lead to a reduction in oxygen supply. Okay, now let's talk about risk factors. What are they in general? There's some of the traditional risk factors for heart disease, things like diabetes, having high blood pressure, having high cholesterol, being a smoker, Mm -hmm. family history. A lot of times people think, you know, if anybody in my family has heart disease, I'm at higher risk. Yeah. But it actually applies to first-degree male relatives younger than 55, first-degree female relatives younger than 65. Okay. And genetics has about a 25% contribution. Then some of the high-risk factors for heart disease is obviously if people already have had a heart attack or have had a stent or have had heart surgery, they're going to be at higher risk. Mm-hmm. But vascular disease, like having a stroke, a TIA, clotted artery disease, and having peripheral arterial disease or even abdominal aortic aneurysms, that puts you in a higher risk category. Okay. Having chronic kidney disease, there's a lot of other risk factors that people don't tend to think about with heart disease. Um, one of them is having a low HDL, which is your good cholesterol, uh-huh. being overweight, which would be a BMI around 25 to 29, obesity, again, especially if it's abdominal, uh, and that's a BMI greater than 30, 
but also having a poor diet and being that skinny, unhealthy, kind of that person who drinks tea and crackers and doesn't really have a good nutritional diet, they could be skinny but still be at risk for heart disease. Mm-hmm. Inactivity, as well as having poor exercise capacity on the treadmill. Some of the other ones really don't think about collagen vascular disease like lupus or rheumatoid arthritis, psoriasis. The next couple ones really applied to females. So if you had a history of preeclampsia, okay. pregnancy-induced hypertension, or gestational diabetes, you're going to be at higher risk, even if these conditions resolve once you deliver. If someone's delivered a preterm baby, that puts you at higher risk. And then having polycystic ovarian syndrome also will put you at higher risk. Well, I mean, that is quite a list. And I didn't realize that there was an association between psoriasis and heart disease either. Noel, talk to us about how to reduce all these risks. Increasing your physical activity. If you have exercise for less than five minutes, your risk of death is increased by about five times. Well, now that's significant. And by the way, what is a MET? Yeah, I'm sorry, it's metabolic equivalent. If you're walking briskly, that's 3.3 mets. Stairs would equivalent to about four mets. Now, if you're mowing the yard with a push mower, not sitting on the tractor, it's about 6.5 mets. So that can kind of give people gauges, you know, are they getting the five mets? And actually, for each increase of one met that you're able to to achieve, mm-hmm. there's a 17% decreased risk of death from all causes. Well, now, Dr. Peterson, I'm aware that jogging uh, achieves about five METs, and I'm surprised that walking briskly isn't healthier, or that is, that it doesn't reduce risk much. If people are just able to walk briskly, but they can't achieve more than that, then they, you know, are at a higher risk. Well, then let me push you a little further now. How does duration play a factor in METs and reducing our risk of heart disease? If you add a little bit of hill there, that's going to increase the METs that you're doing. Mm -hmm. And what about going to the gym for cardiovascular activity or weightlifting? That's a great question um, because people will come to me all the time and say, oh, I go to the gym for 30 minutes. Now, if you're walking, you know, at four miles per hour Mm -hmm. with a, you know, little bit of an incline on there, you're hitting that five METs. Good information. Have you ever wondered whether a certain type of chest pain is linked to a specific heart condition? We'll find out after the break. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and this is Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by The Pain Community, a web-based nonprofit created by people living with pain. Check out paincommunity.org for information, references, advocacy tools, and a premium section to securely interact with other members in forums and chat rooms. Purdue Pharma, making a positive impact on healthcare and on lives reminding everyone to safeguard medications in their home. For cutting-edge treatments and resources, follow Dr. Paul Christo on Twitter or like Aches and Gains with Dr. Paul Christo on Facebook. Welcome back to the show. We're here with Dr. Noelle Peterson, cardiologist and director of Women's Cardiovascular Services at East Carolina Heart Institute. Uh, Dr. Peterson, our other guest, Eliz, experienced a tear in one of her coronary arteries that led to a cardiac arrest. Uh, Beforehand, she had heartburn and felt squeezing in her chest. Certainly, pain serves as a warning that the heart may not be healthy. Are there certain types of pain that are linked to specific heart conditions? Yeah, some of the classic symptoms that everybody thinks of, I call it the Hollywood heart attack. Mm -hmm. It's a crushing chest pain in the middle of the chest. People are clutching at their chest, saying an elephant's sitting on my chest. Mm -hmm. They get sweaty, they turn gray. That's typically not how women tend to present. Okay. We have much more subtle symptoms that kind of sneak up on us slowly and can often be mistaken for something less serious. Um, a lot of people come in saying that they have indigestion or heartburn, and it ends up being heart disease. Mm. One thing I've learned, too, is never asked you of chest pain, because a lot of times women think of pain as sharp, stabbing pain. 
So chest discomfort is a much better question. Chest tightness, funny feelings in the chest is sometimes how people describe it. Mm-hmm. Women can also get jaw pain, scapular pain, arm pain, elbow pain. Another big one is having flu-like symptoms. So a lot of people think they have the flu or they have a cold and they're just not getting over it. I don't think that many people would realize that heart disease in women could present as flu-like symptoms. Noel, talk to us about how pain can differ if you have something called angina, which is, which is chest discomfort uh, in an area of heart muscle that isn't getting enough oxygen, uh, versus an infarct, versus rhythm problems, or even congestive heart failure. Um, one of the easy ways to kind of distinguish angina is the classic people will be walking or doing some kind of activity, they'll get chest pain, they stop and rest, and it goes away. Okay. That one's easy. People come in with that, with that kind of symptom. Yeah. Now, if people are having an infarct, usually it's, the pain is, is more severe, and that actually is what catches a woman's attention is, okay, this pain is really severe. I need to go to the emergency room. Rhythm problems um, can sometimes cause chest pain, especially if you have tachycardia where the heart rate is going fast mm-hmm. because that's increasing your myocardial oxygen demand, and um, that can give you chest pain. But not all rhythm disturbances necessarily are associated with chest pain. Okay. Congestive heart failure, a lot of times the symptoms are more related to shortness of breath and fluid retention. Uh But again, sometimes you can get with congestive heart failure, you can get what we call demand ischemia. So people can sometimes have chest discomfort with heart failure. But usually you'll have some of the other symptoms like the shortness of breath or the swelling in the legs or the belly. Um, along with it. Mm-hmm. Great summary. I've heard several patients say that they have a feeling of impending death when they experience angina or a myocardial infarction. What do patients tell you? A lot of times people will come in with anxiety and many females experience a sense of impending doom. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the warning signs. But an interesting thing is that a lot of times women are diagnosed with a psychiatric disorder to explain their symptoms. Yet the four times as likely as men to be given a psychiatric diagnosis such as anxiety disorder or panic attacks. This again highlights what I hear from a lot of patients in pain, especially women, and that is nobody believes me and they think it's all in my head. Pain that comes from the heart is visceral. The viscera refer to organs like the heart, lungs, liver, and intestines. Pain impulses travel from the organs along nerves that lie next to the nerves of the autonomic nervous system. The nerves of the autonomic nervous system include the sympathetic and parasympathetic nerves. The autonomic nervous system controls bodily functions like heart rate, blood pressure, and movement of the gastrointestinal tract. Dr. Peterson, what kind of autonomic symptoms do patients experience who are having heart attacks or angina? Sweating. A lot of times women will think of it as having, they're having hot flashes. Nausea, dizziness, you know, feeling like you're going to pass out. Breathlessness is a big one. People will say, well, I was on the phone with my daughter and she asked me why it sounded like I couldn't catch my breath. Mm-hmm. So more of like a conversational shortness of breath. And another interesting thing is sleeplessness. So in the month before a heart attack, nearly half of the females have reported having trouble sleeping. Wow, I mean, that's a big number. Noelle, the chest wall is a common site of pain from things like rib fractures, slipped ribs, bronchitis, uh, peptic ulcer disease, even shingles. Are there certain features of chest pain that point more toward a cardiac problem compared to anything else? Typically, if you're having an MI or having angina, it won't be constant. It won't be there for 24 hours a day for a week. 
it usually tends to come and go and be a little bit more episodic, usually tends to get worse with activity or with emotional stress. Stress increases your catecholamines and has that cascade where it'll precipitate angina. Terrific information, and thank you, Dr. Peterson, for joining us. Well, thank you so much for having me. Be with us again for part two of the show. The views and opinions expressed in this radio program are solely the views of Dr. Paul Christo and do not necessarily express the views of this radio station and Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine, nor an endorsement by any or all of them of any of its content. This show provides medical information, not advice. Please consult your personal physician before engaging in any course of treatment or use of any of the techniques or products discussed on this show. Discussion of particular uses of products on this show have not been approved by any of the manufacturers of such products. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com. Aches and Gains is produced by Tom Blair and Ty Ford. Elsa Langford is the technical consultant and engineer. Dr. Paul Christo is the executive producer. Thanks for listening. This is Aches and Gains with Dr. Paul Christo.